and welcome back to the morning show. It's me, Ryan, and I'm here with a lovely bear and a lovely hunter. How are we here today? Man, I'm super, super excited to be here. Of course, Monday mornings, I love it. Love being here. And I can't wait uh, to talk a little bit more about what we've got um, on the show today. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into our show again. Awesome to be back and super hyped. Cool. So I'm going to get right into it. For my talk of the day, I will be talking about tax relief. Damn. Now, a news hub poll recently, um, they asked, do you support tax relief for the first $14,000 that a person makes? Mm. And 84% of people voted yes. Now, what this means is that on the first $14,000 that you make, you that is essentially untaxed. Mm. Now, I bring this up because the cost of living has skyrocketed. Yeah. Petrol prices are, have increased. Grocery prices have, yeah. have gotten really high. Mm. And it's time to start thinking, especially for our lower socioeconomic people, mm. we need to start relieving them of the tax burden. Mm. Like, to, to just to help with the, the growing costs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is a system that they use in Australia. So on the first $18,000 that, that people make, mm. then that is untaxed. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so and this is not to be confused with the tax cuts that are being proposed by the opposition parties. Yeah. Where they want to cut the tax threshold of the 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 top tax rate, sorry. Yeah. Which would proportionate disproportionately benefit those on a higher income. Mm. Um and yeah, I'm I'm just really curious about what our viewers think and what everyone else thinks about do we should we incorporate this yeah. tax relief? Mm-hmm. Like just to just to help out a bit. Like, it, it will be expensive. Um, the leader of the Opportunities Party right. said that it, it'll be about $6.3 billion on lost tax revenue. And that's a lot. Like, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of yeah. money to, to take away from tax that could go to help things. Mm. But at the same time, we, like, we are suffering. Yeah. Absolutely. In a way. Mm. Um, and, and one of, one of sorry, Raf Manji's... Um, solutions is to tax land yeah like do you think we should do that yeah Yeah. that's a really good point to make and i did do some research a while back like a few years back and most people that are making you know was that eighteen thousand dollars with the eighteen thousand dollars a year are either disabled they have a disability sorry not disabled they have a disability or there are people looking after people with disabilities Mm. or they're on a benefit because you know they just can't work mental health issues so we're i don't feel i I just feel like it's wrong to tax the part of society who are really going through it Mm. um who may not have the same privileges as uh people who are able to work 40 hours a week Mm. um so it's something to really consider and taxing land sounds like a pretty good idea (laughs) but just from what i'm hearing right now it sounds like a good idea yeah (laughs) again it's definitely a topic that we'll probably like to elaborate more on and and get someone to um you know fine tune a few details but um i agree with hannah you know Mm. i think it's unfair to tax uh certain areas but i also know that there's benefits as well um and and with that as well but land interesting i wonder if that's going to um affect um homeowners as well so yeah interesting it's like everything tips the scale right so interesting topic for sure and um my talk of the day technology so you know if you're anyone who uses the internet you know what technology is however tech is a booming industry which generates over 5,000 jobs every year. Mm. 5,000 jobs every year. That's re- that's a lot, guys. 
So in New Zealand, uh, Graham Muller, who was the CEO of New Zealand Tech, says that Māori, Pacifica, and women are se severely mis uh, underrepresented, sorry, mm. in tech jobs. Mm. And what am I talking about when I say tech jobs? When I say tech jobs, I'm talking about data science, cybersecurity, software development, or anywhere you can innovate to make processes easier using technology. And there's not many Basfika people in mm. um, the workforce. Apparently, there's only 2.8% Basfika people who work in the tech industry, wow. um, which is very, very concerning because, you know, this is the future we're talking about. Yeah. And we need to be there as we make decisions, as we innovate, and um, how our communities best engage with that. Yeah. Um, research has suggested that a career in technology could help to close the wage and poverty gap, which is prevailing within our bus vehicle communities. And we've seen it, like, yeah. Yeah. there's the fair pay gap. You yeah. know, they're trying to find these solutions. Mm. Why are Pacifica people not getting paid as much as white men? Yeah. Why are women not getting paid as much as men in the industry? Mm. And this is an actual, like, real solution to that, is educating and supporting Pacifica people to get into tech. Yeah. Um, it'll bring in a huge income. Um, also, there's a lack of awareness about careers in the tech industry. Mm. You know, a lot of Pacifica people think, oh, it's not for me. It's yeah. too hard yeah. tech. Yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. know what that is. Yeah. But honestly, if you do some reading, some research into it, you approach the right people, it, it might actually be for you because mm. it's all about being creative. Yeah. But speaker people are great creative and making things easier. Yeah. Me personally, I'm like a lazy person. If I find <laughs> an easier way, I'm going to find <laughs> an easier way. Yeah. And I don't call it laziness. I call it innovative because yes. you're making it easier for everyone else. So if you're that type of person, tech can definitely be for you. So, Awesome news, uh, Spark, yes, the one of the biggest companies in New Zealand, are running a $1 million scholarship program wow. specifically That's for Māori Pacifica yeah. women to get them launched into their careers. Like, mm -hmm. how awesome would it be yeah, to nah, have on your CV, yeah. I worked for Spark, like I was their tech Spark development person. Yeah. It's yeah. massive. Yeah. <laughs> it is massive. It'll really launch your career and um, you'll get to meet exciting new people. But they are launching that program. It's a $1 million scholarship program, which can be for you if you are Māori Pacifica or woman. We will link the details to um, the application to that scholarship program to this show. Mm -hmm. But um, guys, get your applications in. Man. Um, try something new or try something you've always wanted to do. Yeah, that, I, I love that. And, and don't quote me on this, but I, I, I think I recall um, the owner of Microsoft saying that mm. he always used to um, ass assess how lazy people would, you know, yep. do things because they always found an easier process mm. to get the job done. Yep. And that's all he wanted. Mm. Um, and he would just um, look at them how you know and, and I think that's that's a, that's a good idea because you know and I'm not saying that lazy people um you know don't get the jobs done mm. they just find um a, easier, a, ways, easier way yeah. to process and I'm not saying to take shortcuts and all that mm. but I love that um and you know for my talk of the day I'm also it's all about opportunities as well but um for it's a prime minister's Pacifica uh, Pacific Youth Awards um the awards celebrate success and rewards outstanding achievements by our Pacifica young people in Aotearoa. Um, and I think this is really important that we highlight the success every Absolutely. single day um, because it's important. It's important to um, highlight our Pacifica because, you know what, 
they are the next generation. Yeah. Um, and the awards recognize the achievement of young Pacifica in Aotearoa in several fields. And this is including the field that um, Hana was talking about. And they could also um, help with the field that, um, you know, uh, in the government uh, yeah. that uh, Ryan was talking about. But it's including um, being an advocate for their language and culture, leadership and entrepreneurship, uh, and their efforts in arts and also uh, education and community. And this is everything that we're already doing in our community. You know, um, I'm going to be honest, I think a lot of our Pacifica children are raised uh, to be uh, some amazing leaders, but we just don't highlight it. And that's just yeah. a part of our culture as well, uh, where we don't really highlight it. Yeah. And um, I think it's really important. And I love that this initiative has been put forward. It is uh, for eight. They do have eight awards across these categories. Um, and it's supported by sponsors and also the Ministry of Pacifica People. Um, the application, unfortunately, has closed, but I wanted to bring this up as my talk of the day um, because I thought it was important that this is like a nomination. So in the new year, I really, really think that our people need to um, evaluate certain situations in your space, in schools, in churches, in community groups, because, you know, if we don't know about mm. these awards, we don't know who to nominate. Mm. And I think there are still so many people who don't acknowledge or who don't know about uh, this um, nomination uh, who miss out. So, guys, uh, if you do know someone who is uh, worthy to be highlighted or who have just done something amazing in the community, nominate them uh, in the new year. Uh, the applications do open around uh, this time, which is November. So all the best to those who have been non nominated, but that's my talk of the day. No, that's really awesome. And I absolutely agree with you. You know, we've talked about it on the show before mm. how Pacific communities can have a tall poppy syndrome and we like to put each other down, <laughs> yeah. you know, just real talk here. But these awards really are special and I feel like um, they provide an awesome platform for our Pacifica communities to be acknowledged um, truthfully for their hard work. So there you have it, guys. Um, should we tax land? Um, should we stop taxing the lowest income earners in New Zealand? Um, make sure to look into that $1 million scholarship program that Spark is providing and also celebrating the success of our Pacific youth here in New Zealand. I have our quote for us. Oh, here it is, guys. <laughs> Drum roll. Yes. <laughs> our quote for today is an apology is something we do, not something we say. Sharks. Mm. It's pretty powerful this morning. Um, I know that apology, uh, an apology does uh, mean so much when you say it, but Sharks, it's pretty powerful um, that your quote there, um, an apology is something we do, not something we say, um, because a lot of the time I've been programmed or taught that an apology is something we say. Mm. Um, but it's interesting that you said that. And But there are benefits of an apology. For me, I, I just know it's, truly something that heals relationships yeah um i find myself apologizing um a lot but uh, a lot of the times those apologies are quite empty so um for me it's important an apology is important and it helps acknowledge what you've done wrong, either mm -hmm. yourself or the other person. Um, it highlights their responsibility in whatever it is um, that's happened or the incident that's happened. But it's it also, for me, it helps um, eliminate people and, you know, and, the, and those behaviours. Because if you don't apologise, 
or you know highlight these um the, you know whatever it is that's happened mm-hmm. um they continue to commit these yes. or you know harmful behaviors yep. um but it's also for me it's it helps to avoid future misunderstanding absolutely for me but i love 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 that quote yeah yeah thanks for that no that i i definitely agree agree with you you know if if we if you don't apologize, it kind of lingers. Yeah. You don't want that to happen is when it lingers and you can't be at peace with it. But um, I did do some reading into a psychologist who did an entire PhD thesis mm. on apologies. And um, while reading that study, um, he did mention the two main reasons as to why people don't apologize, mm. which I found very interesting. Uh, the first reason was people don't apologize because they don't care enough about the other person or the relationship to take on the emotional discomfort of owning our mistake and apologizing for it. Mm. The second reason they don't apologize is because they believe that their apologies don't actually matter. So for these kind of people, admitting wrongdoing and offering an apology is, it's too psychologically threatening for their well-being. Offering an apology implies that they've harmed another person in some way, and they literally can't live with the fact that they've hurt someone. Mm. And so instead of dealing and feeling the full effect of, oh crap, I actually hurt someone, they would rather avoid it and just continue on with life because it's safe. Mm. But in saying this, I don't want to shame people who deal with this problem because it's a very hard place to come out with. And I've um, been in this place before um, where I did find it hard to apologize. But um, if you do find yourself in that space where you're having a hard time apologizing because because of feelings of guilt or shame, that's totally normal. Um, but also get some help. <laughs> there is a, a lot of places you can get help from. Um, but yeah, it's um, it really goes to show that um, apologizing is apologizing is such a it's it's more deep than yeah. what people think mm-hmm. it is. You yeah. know, mm. and like the fact that you talk about it being uh, significant on a psychological level. Yeah, it just goes to show how powerful a person you are if you can Absolutely. apologize yeah. and how powerful an act how powerful of an act it is to apologize. Right, because people are usually like, oh, they said sorry, they're weak. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, right. I won, they said sorry yeah. to you. Yeah. You know what I but mean? But it's actually quite powerful. Yeah, yeah. but you mm. have to be the bigger person. Yeah. And it, we have to be the stronger person. And I really love this quote because um, it boils down to actions speak louder than words. Mm. Amen. Um, I know. As, as strong as an apology is, if it's just words, yeah. sometimes it can be empty. Yeah, and sometimes it lacks that power that you need. Yep. Because the person on the receiving end will just be like, "Okay, thanks." And yeah. Goes one ear goes out the other. Um. It's it's powerful, but if it isn't followed up by like a change of behavior, or an acknowledgement of something that you've done, and then some kind of reparation, mm. then the apology like really means nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's sad. And like that brings us to our topic of today mm. because it's really rare to see people in power or yeah. governments, world leaders mm. acknowledge the wrongdoings that their their institutions have committed in the past. Right. And it's even rarer to see a world leader uh, participate in a Pacifica way of apologizing. Mm. Absolutely. Um, for the wrongdoings of... Mm an institution that she wasn't even a part of at the time. Um, it's 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 even rarer for the head of a country to perform a traditional Pacifico way to apologize. Mm. And like it just goes to show the power 
that apologies do have yeah. on our people. Absolutely. And what Ryan's talking about there is how uh, the New Zealand government apologised about the dawn raids. Mm. Yes. And, you know, um, with the, uh, I really like the points that you mentioned there because you took it from a personal level, Ryan, yeah. to an entire government level yeah. of an apology, mm. which is something to really try and dissect. It's, it's hard to dissect yeah. or even understand. And, you know, with the research I had mentioned earlier, the apology shows that a person values the relationship. So it's really touching that a government apologized mm. to a Pacific community because it shows that the New Zealand government valued their relationship with Pacific communities. And right after this break, we're going, um, we're going to get straight into why that apology was valid and how entrenched Pacific relationships are with New Zealand. Blue Wave Ngalumoana. We are focused on providing digital solutions for our Pacific people. With a creative team that incorporates Pacifica values and cultures, there are no limitations. We offer a variety of digital media solutions that cater to Pacific peoples. With over 10 years experience in graphic design and photography, we take pride in creating art with a Pacific focus. We also specialize in filming, editing, and live streaming. A digital media company serving our Basifika families, Basifika businesses, and Basifika communities. Blue Wave Ngalumoana. Live and breathe Pacific. Countries and governments all around the world, they felt they they felt a boom. They felt an economic boom, um, which expanded industry. It it gave agriculture more space to expand, mm. um, and with all this ramping up of um, our ec economies, labor was needed. Yeah. There was a labor shortage, and where's the cheapest best place to find labor? At the time, for the New Zealand government, it was the Pacific. Mm -hmm. Pacific people provided cheap labor. Um, yeah, and so immigration schemes were established and um, immigration raked up so that the people that were on the island could come over to New Zealand to meet the labor expectations. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, the Samoan Prime Minister at the time, Tuia Tua Tupuatama Sese, he cited that the reason why a lot of islanders decided to migrate was due to job opportunities, mm. money, and education. Mm. And in another article that I read, they stated that New Zealand was painted as a mecca, the land of milk and honey, where streets were lined with gold, where education and technology and telecommunications were all, were all unheard of in Samoa. Mm. So New Zealand government started targeting the communities in Samoa, Fiji, and Tonga, um, of which those people were enticed to New Zealand with mm. the dream. But the, econo the economic boom was, wasn't to last. Yeah. So 
around mid 70s the uk was new zealand's biggest economic trade partner we had a lot of exports going out to to the uk but the uk decided to join what was called the european economic community Mm. the eec and the terms of that agreement was that the uk needed to utilize agricultural industries inside europe which effectively barred new zealand's uh trade Mm. So that that significantly affected the deal. New Zealand lost one of its biggest uh, export partners, um, which was a huge hit to the economy. Yeah. At the in the same year, the Middle Eastern oil producers slashed production, and that means there was less oil to go around. So the demand was high, and the supply was not meeting the demand, which right. meant oil prices were skyrocketing. Um, and this, what that essentially meant was for an industrial society like New Zealand, they relied on the oil prices being low. Yeah. Right. Once right. the oil prices increased, mm. then the costs were felt by the industries in New mm. Zealand. Uh, wages became a lot more um, costly to meet. Uh, things like freight, uh, the goods were a lot more costly to make. So on that, it became a lot harder to operate as per normal. Mm. And like these two things are the are kind of the main reasons why New Zealand's econ- economy took a huge hit at the time. Mm. On that, Pacific migration was still happening. So Pacific people were still coming over to look for jobs and look for better opportunities. Yep. And because there were mass job losses and the economy was was crashing to a halt, mm-hmm. a lot of people from here decided to to look at the Pacific people coming over, and then they decided to point fingers. Yeah, mm. decided to blame them. Mm. Absolutely, and um, that was awesome how you shared that. I'm gonna try not to get emotional as I say this, but um, just to put it into context, how you were saying supports. I must have said they they saw the yeah. opportunity here in New Zealand, and um, my grandmother, uh, she's passed away. Uh, Nana Susi, she told me about her story coming mm. to New Zealand. And they literally had a draw uh, a hat mm. and um, they lived in Salonga in um, Savai. And they would pull out names from the hat. They're like, hey, you get to go to New Zealand um, and work there. As And you know what they had to do? They had to pack their stuff as quickly as possible. And the plane that they were on were like those warships uh, where you're like yeah. sitting across from each other. And if your name gets pulled from that lo- that lotto, you, you got to pack. you got to go because mm-hmm. they're like, yay, we got the opportunity to mm-hmm. go. And then they come to New Zealand. So like in contrast, or not in contrast, and to what you're saying, you could you could start seeing how it was, you know, mm-hmm. for people yeah. back then realistically, yep. um, waiting for this chance, waiting for mm-hmm. this um, gold, this gold mine. And then they, um, Nana Susi was able to come to New Zealand and buy two homes and mm-hmm. start families. And... While that happened, that, you know, this mass immigration of Samoans coming, it was so foreign to them. Mm. Um, they were like, okay, where's our community? Where's our falisal? Yeah, And they were looking for it everywhere. Mm. So the Pacific community grew as that labor demand was needed. Yeah. Um, they started in Ponsonby. Mm. Um, the PIC church there was yeah. formed. Um, and the community started getting together. It, the Ponsonby and Grey Lynn was filled, it started getting filled with markets. Mm. You know, they started starting galore there now yeah. and find they're like, yeah, yeah, we're building a community yeah. together. So here are here our people are, our Pacifica people are traveling away from their homes into a foreign country where they see as opportunity, building their community, really putting their legs down and creating a foundation. And then 
New Zealand has an economic collapse. Yeah. Mm. And as we were seeing this, like, holy crap, yay, we get this all this opportunity, but now we're being the point of blame mm. from white New Zealand and from government. Mm. Why are we to blame when we came here to, to assist with the labor? We don't want to be the scapegoat. So um, during that increase in, in population, um, it created a more stable Pacific community. And then um, by the mid-1960s, um, 64% of the population of suburbs, um, such as Arch, were situated in Greyland and Podsabi and Hearn Bay, um, which had uh, significant um, Pacifica populations. So, um, you know, moving forward from that, uh, the economy crashed, um, Pacific Islanders were being blamed. Uh, they were very racist, mm. really racist things. We're going to bring up a graphic here mm. um, to show how, what the kind of comedy they were using against Pacific Islanders at that time, which would not be accepted. Yeah. You get George if like a person spoke to you like that, yeah. um, you're asking for a one-on-one -on -one fight on the road. So, um, you know, when that econ economy collapsed, there was a 1968 amendment to the act, um, act that allowed for the deportation of those who had overstayed their work permits. Section 33A of that amendment um, gave police the power to ask people to produce not only a valid passport, but also a permit to enter and remain temporarily in New Zealand, as well as other evidence of identity. So basically, cops could pull you up and mm. say... Where's your passport? You don't have your passport? Okay, let's take you to the south because you don't have a passport. And it was very racist. And I'm very, I'm saying this lightly because the words that they would use were like the N-word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, black people, black swear word, swear word. Um, it was really, really bad at the time. And um, this was introduced by the Labour government. And um, because they were trying to appease to the wider part of New Zealand, yeah. who were also blaming Pacific Islanders. Um, and then the Labour government used that act to focus solely on Samoans and Tongans. But basically, based on the experience that we've all collectively researched, it was if you were brown, you were a product yeah. of that racial profiling. Um, and then further on, uh, National Party comes into government. Uh, Robert Muldoon, he intensified the rates. Mm. This guy literally put a target. He said, we need 5,000 people deported by this date. And it really made everything worse. And that's yeah. when the dawn raids happened. Mm -hmm. And these police officers would come into your homes. They would be like, they would come in with their guns. Your kids are sleeping, yeah. flashing lights in your faces. If you're naked, they'll take off your, yaf, your blanket mm -hmm. and they'll say, get dressed. And if you're not getting dressed or moving as fast as they want you to, um, they'll start swearing at you. Mm. They'll start, um, you know, doing some really terrible things, uh, which a lot of our um, Pacific ancestors had to go through, which was just, yeah. yeah, it's really sad. And I feel like there hasn't been enough, um, enough coverage yep. of how serious and severe the dawn raids were. Yeah. Mm. Honestly, I mean, even just listening to that, um, Hannah, it just we've mentioned it time and time again, the experience, like we didn't get to live in that era, but mm. thank goodness we didn't because I don't think we were built for it, right? Yeah. And um, I think for me, I mean, let, let me make this real, um, you know, for you during the, the, the raids, our Pacific Islanders uh, had to be careful like extremely careful and it was so dangerous like they had to hide i mean hide from the police which mm. are people who are there to keep us safe protect they had us. to yeah they're mm. supposed to protect us protect our community uh they had dogs 
mm. hunting, sniffing out um, people, uh, our people, um, you know, it, it was, I think for me, I was just kind of like, we've seen the documentary, we've seen the series, and I, I don't think um, it really did paint the picture, um, whereas we did also, I think myself and Ryan also, um, we experienced um, a theatre, mm. and it wasn't until I watched that theatre um, that showed so much emotion, and I, I actually, the tears, were, you know, rolled down mm. my face, because I think I was just so ignorant, I just didn't even, I, I it, it didn't, because it didn't, I didn't experience it, it didn't affect me, but mm. I mean, it was such a horrible time for our people. Absolutely. And it, it's even said that um, the dawn raids were so selective and that the majority of the of visitors that were here were also from um, Australia, Britain, yep. yeah. America. Yeah. And yet it was so selective that it was just Pacific Island. Yeah. And this is where... Um, the attack just continued, and the attack was so, so, so real that it it, it extended through out to the schools. Mm. Like they even targeted wow. the schools, you know. And uh, the school, which is Seddon, um, the Seddon school, which is now Western Springs uh, College, I believe, um, there was a teacher there or a staff. Uh, there was one there uh, by the name of Welby Ings, mm. um, who also shared um, his re recollection of. How he had to hide our Pacifica students, you know, signals were used. I mean, you know, you're, you're you're talking about signals that you would normally use in times of war, and and you know, we didn't even hear. I mean, growing up in schools, you never ever heard anything of this. You, you there there were teach you about the World War, yeah, like Hitler, Hitler, and and. Yeah. and this is them mirroring what exactly what this time. I mean, it wasn't as bad, but it mm. was similar to mm. what was happening here in New Zealand. And the school, the teachers, um, well-beings um, highlighted the fact that in schools, these children were so afraid. They were confused because their parents didn't know how to explain to their children exactly yeah. what was happening. Right. The only form of com communication was your dad had to move. And I think the, the whole reasoning behind it was to ensure that information wasn't leaked out to their peers because any, mm. I mean, kids talk. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my dad is, a, yeah. is, is an overstayer. And it's very innocent, right? Innocent, yeah. innocent. Mm. These are children. And these children formed such a special bond with teachers like Welby that they felt safe. Mm. Uh, these teachers then became their safe haven that um, will show some images up as well. And there's um, the floorboards that the children, that the, the, the teachers would hide the kids under. Wow. Once they got a signal from the main office that the police were on site, they would then quietly hide the children. But I think for me, I don't even know how you would explain it to a Pacifica, you know, student. Mm -hmm. And also, time. like, you're putting your job at risk. Exactly. Yeah. So it really shows how brave, yeah, you know. It, you know, it mm. also showed how some mm. of them were still compassionate. And I think the story shared as well was um, the reason why they felt so connected to these children was even though they had um, gone over their stay, 
um, the children, their families in the islands invested so much yeah. into mm. these children to be here. And all they wanted was a great education and they wanted to advance the education, mm. their knowledge, so that they, at some stage in their life that they were able to give back to their ainga in Samoa, Tonga, or wherever in the Pacific. Mm. But it wasn't just learning, you know, it was it was just learning the basics to be able to provide uh, for their families in um, Samoa. So, I mean, the experience, there's so um, many stories online about... Um, you know, the, how our families were traumatised. But I wanted to just highlight that there was teachers who saw um, the fear in these children and Absolutely. who wanted to protect yeah. our Pacific mm-hmm. communities as well. So, yeah, it's yeah. such and a horrible it's, time. It's, it's really important to acknowledge the contributions from yeah. non-Pacific peoples Absolutely. at the time yeah. who, like well-beings, put, put their... I wouldn't say livelihoods, but put their career on the yep. line mm. to help us. Um, and I don't think we would have gotten very far had it not been yeah. that the compassion that they showed for mm. our communities. Because, man, when you hear about some of the stories that come out, it's really, really hard to to kind of just listen to it. Mm. And I'm still trying to conceptualize the idea that we had Pacific kids hiding under floorboards. Yeah. Mm. In New Zealand, the green, peaceful, Hobbiton country um, that we all dreamed of. And I feel like if the Panthers and the the activists at that time didn't do what uh, the work that, you know, of trying to remind New Zealand, hey, this actually happened, Mm. we'd probably just be like, what? The dawn raids? What was that? You know what I mean? So it's so important. And I'm so happy that you shared that um, experience with us from a teacher's, um, you know, teacher's lens. But I do have another experience I wanted to share. It was from Joshua Liava'a, who was a young Tongan policeman at the time. So can you imagine being a policeman (laughs) and an islander on the raids? Like, it'll just be like, you're in there like holding a flashlight like what am I doing <laughs> it's mm. like it's like you're going against your people exactly mm. so it must have been really hard for them so this one's from Joshua Liava'a and Joshua Liava'a in his own words said you have two policemen walking in and without saying anything they pull your blankets away from you and if you're naked they say get up put something on and they stand there looking at you while shyly jumping around trying to have something to cover yourself and if you take your time they grab you and throw you into the lounge. The language is the coarsest, most obscene language you can use. Like, this might have to be bleated, but it says like, fuck, you get up, you black bitch, put something on whore. Mm-hmm. So this was the language the police were using with our Pacifica, um community who came here for a good life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's very sad when you're, when you're supposed to look at authority as a place of safety. Yes. Yeah. But that just kind of turned around and slapped them in the face. So I understand our mistrust yep. with the police, yeah. our yep. mistrust with the with government. government. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it really does show how um, people at the time were abusing the power mm. and abusing the, the establishment to exert their own personal mm. xenophobia yeah. against the people. Um, I actually have another story, and this was said by our guest today. Mm-hmm. So he was talking about a a member of the Polynesian Panthers. Her mm-hmm. name is Agnes Tuisamoa. And being one of the older members, mm-hmm. she was tasked with going to families that had been seized, mm-hmm. that had been raided, and that had been arrested. 
So one morning she had been called up to the police station, uh, to the yeah Central City Police Station, at about four five a.m. Um, about four or five o'clock, uh, a mother had been taken in. So they had been dawn raided, and a mother had been taken in. And the the really sad thing about it is that she had a two month old baby. What? And it's so. Yeah, she had her baby with her, and obviously you need to feed your baby yeah. often. And she had pled to the police officers who had told her to use the milk that they use for their coffee. A two-month-old baby. I'll kill someone. Right. I'm sorry. And even sadder than that is that the two of them, with just the clothes on their backs, they were deported that morning. Mm. At seven. What? That is terrible. Like, me and you are both mothers. Mm. Two months, you're recovering from your yep. pregnancy. Yep. Um, you know, you can't even walk properly. You mm. really need help. You, the baby needs to be fed. Diaper changes happen every, what, mm. two, three mm. hours? Mm. So, like, if I didn't have my stuff that I needed mm. in a warm place the way I'm recovering, I would be so furious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, just hearing that breaks my heart. Really, like, mm. I've just got goosebumps and I'm shaking and my palms are sweaty because... I mean, how any human could do that to a mother of a... I mean, that's a newborn child. Yeah. I mean, like, I think for me, if I, if, I, if you put yourself in that position and you're, like, you get told that you have to feed your child milk, like, just standard milk, yeah. which even today, we have to sterilize everything. Exactly. Yeah. And who the heck do they think they are Yeah. telling a mother, oh, you know, this is... And cow milk is not suitable for two-month-year-olds. No. Like, it's... Against every requirement. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> people know this. Yeah. It's just standard information. Mm. I mean, it's, that's, nah, that's, yeah. that's heartbreaking. It's, mm. And it's stories like this that we need to keep reiterating mm. and keep engaging with mm. because these are the horror stories. Yeah. And if we forget them, then we forget the pain. Then mm. we forget the effect that the the people in power at the time we forget that their effect on our people Absolutely. today. And yeah. like, yeah, I just want to reiterate to anyone who's watching, um, especially if like we need to be clued up yep. on mm. what happened back mm. then. There's so much more. There's so many resources online right now. There are podcasts. Mm. If you can't read like long text, there are documentaries. Mm. If you'd rather have something visual, yep. there's, there's a whole bunch of, uh, mediums for you to engage in mm -hmm. the content. So don't come to me and say, "Oh, I don't <laughs> yeah. know what happened. Mm, I yeah. don't care what happened," mm. because it's out there yeah. and it's and it's and it's for you to read mm. and it's for you to remember the pain that our people mm. went through. Absolutely. And I am excited to bring on our guest for today, yeah. who is undoubtedly one of the best speakers. That I've met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm really excited. We have a Polynesian panther by the name of Tingilo Ness coming mm. on to, to talk about his experiences yeah. with us. And we'll be talking to him after this break. Muwave Ngalumoana. We are focused on providing digital solutions for our Pacific people. 
With a creative team that incorporates Pacifica values and cultures, there are no limitations. We offer a variety of digital media solutions that cater to Pacific peoples. With over 10 years experience in graphic design and photography, we take pride in creating art with a Pacific focus. We also specialize in filming, editing and live streaming. A digital media company serving our Basifika families, Basifika businesses, and Basifika communities. Blue Wave Ngalumuana. Live and breathe Pacific. Sure. I'm really excited to introduce uh, this our, our guest for today. Um, he was a member of the Polynesian Panthers during the time of the Dawn Raids, and I'm really excited to get straight into um, talking with him. So we have Tigilo Ness with us today. How are you today? Good, thank you. Yes. Thank, thank you so much yeah. for coming in. Um, we've read a lot about your story, and we've 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 absorbed a lot of uh, information from documentaries the podcast that have all come out and sorry i'm nervous now because <laughs> it's so it's so exciting to see you up here in person yeah um especially with what's happened in the past and um we'll go straight into our questions sure yeah yeah. Mm, yeah like ryan said man absolutely nervous absolute honor to have you here to tell real life your you know your real life experience um but you know I've heard uh, Ryan and Hannah share your stories so many times, but you know what I wanted to know was for so many of our Pacifica people, we're quite standoffish, and we're polite, and we just stand our, you know, we just stay in our corner, and we do as we do as a what we're told. But what I wanted to know is what ignited that fire uh, in you to advocate and to fight for others. I mean, you did it so well. We've heard the stories, but what ignited that for you? I think it's in our DNA. Our history um, doesn't allow us to lie down and take things like the Dawn Raids and all the uh, racist uh, attacks on our people. Our DNA, our history doesn't allow us to do that. True, um, a lot of my actions have been based on my mum's teaching. You know, she brought me up on the New Year Bible. Um, so I learned how to read and write and knew it from the Bible, you know, and the teachings. Even though I wanted to go outside and play with my mates out in the streets and yeah. stuff, I was forced uh, to sit at the table, kitchen table, and um, read the Bible and knew it. So I think those uh, values, mm. you know, uh, relieve the oppressed, plead for the widow, mm. um, you know, the fatherless, all, all those values which are Christian values, and I believe that our peeps, you know, Pacific, we, we are uh, majority Christian-driven. Um, but I also believe that uh, a true Christian will get out there and do, yep. you know, rather than just talk. Yep. So 
Um, I'm judged by, my faith is judged by my works, I believe. And um, like it says in the word, therefore thy children shall be thy judge. Well, you are my children and you're judging me. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did you do, Matua? Mm, so yeah. looking at the future, um, I think it's in our DNA. We don't take those kind of things lying down. Mm. And especially this is our this is our turf, our yeah. country, you know, our the Pacific. Um, we our peeps were navigating and doing amazing things while the rest of them up north were living in caves and trying to light fires and yeah. looking for honey and we had sugarcane and all the rest, you know, all of that. So our history, when I look at our history, I think that's what what woke me up and drove me to do for my peeps mm. that were getting unjustly targeted. You know, the Dawn Raids is an epitome of that attitude. Mm. And um, I'd say to you, all those people, um, you know, don't bring that here. Yeah. We, we're not like what you think. We might look passive and friendly and stuff, mm. but don't rub us the wrong way, please. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So as, as Christian values, um, you've got to stand up to evil, you know, and we know we shall win because we are confident in the victory of good over evil, you know. So it's ongoing, isn't it? The yeah. whole world is in turmoil. And they, I think, you know, they should look at how we're trying to live yeah. together in peace rather than go the other way. I mean, I could have gone the other way yeah. and I was starting to. And I ended up in prison because of it, you know. Yeah. So if that's the price, then our peeps have paid well, well and truly. I remember in history uh, a man named Panapa who um, protested against the French occupation of Tahiti. Mm. Um, and he was imprisoned and cast away by the French colonial onto an island. And um, when he was released, maybe 80 years old, uh, the fire was still in him. Yeah. And he still protested and the French were going to cart him away. His name was Panapa. Mm. Look it up. Yeah. When I read those stories, then I know I'm on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Shucks, definitely a fighter there. But, you know, we have, we've heard, um, you know, what you've done, uh, you know, amazing work. Um, but I also know that um, the attitude, there was a, a shift with the attitude, especially with the, the with our generation, with my generation as well. And, and, and I'm guilty for it as well, um, where there was a lack of information or understanding um, to exactly what happened back in the days. But I know during the dawn raids, our people were, it was a traumatic time for our people. Mm. Um, a traumatic event. Um, so many of of our Basifika's families either spoke about it or didn't. Are there some parts of this of the events that still trigger an uncomfortable memory for you? Um, always when I'm doing interviews like this, yeah. uh, the the memories and um, the effects of it and um, the ongoing. Um, not ignorance, I, I, I would say, but the disinformation mm. um, that we live in a harmonious country and everything yeah. is dumpty doo yeah. when we mm. know for a fact that the system is geared against us in every which way. Because mm. 50 years ago, we were protesting about housing, education, health. Mm. 50 years later, we're still doing the same yeah. thing. And how come? So it's a systemic issue. Yes, mm. you know, it goes on. And until that changes, mm. and I'm relying on you, the young ones now, to make that change, you know. Mm. We believe in the Panthers that education is the key to it. 
we can fight and protest and you know do all those things to to highlight and to uh, call attention to what's happening to us, but we have to be in there making the changes as well. You know, creating the rules. The, the, after all, this is our area. This is our mm. territory. You know, we should be allowed to say who comes in and who goes. I see recently the, the stats for the immigration is still the same. Oh, South Africa, Canada, mm. but our peeps, we're, we're regulated like wow. Mm. Uh, so that attitude. We have to have our own people up there in immigration, yeah. you know, if we're going to go that way. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, just let the gates open up and bring all our people because we need, um, first of all, training in order to, to work here. Mm. You know? It's not just labor intensive. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> our, our, our history yeah. tells us that, you know, we're quite ingenious when it comes to survival and, mm-hmm. you know, our culture. Yeah. And mm. I really like how you, um, you pin that together mm. because be- the Dawn Reads apology, there was a lot of separation. You know, people yeah. were saying this is a white thing. Um, mm. This mm. is not really genuine. But mm. the fact that you've understood that there still needs to be ch- change that happens, mm. which is allowing Pacific people to come into New Zealand more freely and understanding that the apology needed to happen to mm. pave the way, mm. you know, they work collaboratively together. Yeah. And I think a lot of our Pacifica youth should understand that we're just paving pathways for mm. for generations to come. <laughs> That's right. We're only doing the best that we can yep. for mm. now with what we have. Um, and that's not much but our determination in our lives. We put our lives on the line for our people. Mm. And because we've done that and we're doing that, we're not going to change yep. until those changes do happen and it's mm. done. Mm. Um, so it's a, an ongoing thing um, because... Racists also need to need help. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And you've got to be, you got to have a really big heart to understand that. And it's so great to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, mm. we're we're taught from the Bible to forgive them that do, you yeah. know, wrong to us, and that and that's a hard thing to do, and that takes practice. And I'm still practicing today. Yeah. After all that, my mind hurt and sorrow that our people go through. So I find that being creative. You know, helps me get over that. So it's like I'm gonna tell on you guys. So here, you better. You right. know, so I write about it and I perform and I sing and I try and educate like that. You yeah. know, and lead by example. Mm. Um, where you see trouble or where you see my mic help. I mean, those are the values that we're we're, we're <coughs> being raised up on. You know. Yeah. It's only when we come into contact with the I me mind, which isn't us. Yeah, We're and totally inclusive, you know, that which is how we've survived. Absolutely. And I totally agree with you. And um there's it's quite hard for youth, you know, to really yes. not have a hateful or spiteful attitude oh, yes. towards the oppressor. Oh yes. So yes. what would your advice be? Because you know, you've shared with us that you found an outlet. You you do it through music. Yes. You do it in a positive way that's not disruptive or or not, I wouldn't say disruptive, it is very disruptive yes. in a good sense, but it's not hateful, yeah. you know? Yeah. So what would your advice be to youth who are finding it hard to, you know, have the empathy to move forward because of the bitterness from our history with the oppressor? Well, well, that's it exactly what you say. Learn from history. Look at our history. How did we get this far? And it wasn't done with hate. Mm. Um, it was done for love for our people, mm. for a start, first and foremost. I mean, why I started 
um, really was to help my people. So all you young ones out there, you know, we need your help. We need your strength. I'm, I'm coming into my 70s now. I'm starting to lose and waver a bit, you know, and I need your help. I need your strength because you young ones are the strong ones um, and they know that too. So to try and stem that, you know, to kill it off, in fact, because cultural genocide is what they were doing back in the 70s, you know, not teaching us our true histories. Yeah. In fact, they didn't know, didn't care about our true history. Mm. So it's just as well we latched on to the remnants of our elders, you know, who, who, who were still alive at the time. They're gone now, mm. you know. But um, we carry it on because it's in our DNA. We just can't help it. Yeah. So don't try and deny it, young ones. Go with it. Use yeah. it. Yeah. We need you. That, that's all there is. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, and, yeah, it is on us to carry on the stories. Yeah. And that's why I'm so glad that we're having this conversation yeah. with yes. you, yes. for you to um, to give us these, these words of wisdom. Um, and I wanted to talk more about how the youth are utilizing the story. Um, and a lot of that is, has been through the arts. Yes. Um, with the Panther series, uh, with the theater show. Yes. Um, do you think that your story has been told well? Um, some parts of it has, and some parts of it are being told, um, and some parts aren't as, as per normal. Um, but truth will always come through. Um, and I think that's how we move forward. Like it says, you know, the truth will set you free. And once we find out why these things happened, you know, they're humans too. Okay? So just, just by saying that, then I know um, that what's within us can overlook and go past that, you know, and come up with solutions that enable us all to live together in peace and harmony, you know, like how it's meant to be. And because it was like that, you know, before the colonial arrivals and, of course, you know, differences and stuff. But I think modern uh, uh, things like sport, instead of wars, you yeah. compete against each other on the field and in all sorts of, of ways, you know. Um, and you young ones are good at that. <laughs> <laughs> they, without, like, I mean, if you look at, you know, say, the All Blacks, if you take away the Pacific Islanders out of it, yeah. what have you got? Yeah, Nada. <laughs> <laughs> and the same all the way through. When you look at those kind of things, what have you got? Hey, so this country is good at, well, well the so-called leaders of this country are good at pushing it out that we're good and harmonious and all that, when underneath they know. Mm. You know when they, before they go to sleep at night, I know they're worried. Mm. You know, and they don't want to see that other side of us, exactly. and we don't want to see that either. Yeah. You know, we want we want the best. Yeah. I wanted to go a bit more into your history with the Polynesian Panthers, yes. and I wanted to ask, uh, mm. what was the kind of culture like with the other Panthers? Was it very fun? okay? We were all 16, 17 year olds. Mm. The oldest, the oldest would have been perhaps the former chairman who was 19, just starting at university. Yeah. So when we go out to schools and we talk to the young ones there, we say, stand up all the 16-year-olds, and they all stand up, and 17-year-olds stand up. So we were your age when we started doing this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so 
the culture around that time was you either join a gang or you stayed home and did. Mm. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. what, what are young people supposed to do? Mm. Stay home and hide? No, they were all out on the streets because there was no organised sport, no community centres, none of that. And the the city council, the government even, never had us before. Right. Have no idea of what we're capable of or what we're good at. Eventually, they find out, oh, they're good at sport. Yeah. You know, the school I went to, the, the high school I went to, was mostly sport. If you're good at sport, oh, you go to the top. You yeah. know? Never mind the rest because they don't believe we've got brains. You know? <laughs> but I, 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 was, I took French, I took Latin, you know, until I got expelled for growing a, an Afro, you know, my culture, mm. who I was. They didn't accept that. They wanted a brown skin, white inside. Yeah. You, know. <laughs> oh. yeah. you can't change your fuzzy hair. Yeah. 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 No, so, I mean, I tried that, brew cream and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Oh. Yeah. Never worked. Didn't fit inside. I didn't feel right. Yeah. You know, I wanted to, to find out who I was. And uh, the Polynesian Panthers gave me, um, you know, incentive to be proud of who I was. Yeah. Today, that's our, that's one of our programs. Um, celebrate Mana Pacifica, <clears throat> who you are. Mm. You know, celebrate it. Yeah. Nobody can do it like how we do. Yeah. Um, those issues that are going up, up north there, you know, in Ukraine and Bosnia and all of that before then, I reckon they should have sent up some Rarotongan drum dancers, you know, <laughs> change the vibe. Yeah, you know, <laughs> screaming shells and, oh, no, no, people. Mm. Um, you know, we so we have to spread out like that and tell them, cut it out. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's super awesome. And what was like, you know, um, I have a, a distant relative who was part of the Panthers. His name was Fred Schmidt. And yes. um, I had a conversation with one of my uncles who said that when Fred was running around with all the young Polynesian Panthers, um, their auntie would be like, stop being, you know, cheeky. Mm. Um, you guys mm. are being naughty, like um, oh, yeah. poco, yeah, all yeah, those yeah. words were shared to them. Yeah. So what was it like, um, your relationship with the elders at that time for, mm. for you personally? I think they didn't want us to stand up and draw attention like how we were doing. Yeah. Protesting out on Karangahapi Road and Ponsonby Road with placards and megaphones and yep. causing attention, going, troublemakers. Yeah. Um, you know, like, shh. Yeah. Uh, but um, what we found, uh, and today, uh, which is what we tell the young ones, you don't need permission. Yeah. You don't need permission. If you see something wrong, get up, stand up and yeah. say something, you know. Um, so, with my mum, it, it ended up when I went to prison, you know, she was brokenhearted, you know, as any parent would be. Um, and she disagreed with what we were doing, protesting against apartheid and, and that. Eh? So, she just didn't want to see her son locked up, yeah, as any parent would do, you know. Um, but years later, 1995, when Nelson Mandela came here, Mm -hmm. and thank those of us who were imprisoned for protesting against apartheid South African Springbok tour. Um, she realised then, oh, not a bad fellow at all, my yeah. son. You know, <laughs> <laughs> all they see is you yeah. and prison. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. I understand that totally. Yeah. I don't want my children to be locked up for nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as I say, young ones, you, you don't need permission. Mm. Where you see things unjust and not right, 
highlighted, pointed out. You're not on your own. If you see bullying, stand up. Don't let it, you know, don't even go that way. And because somebody's done it to you doesn't mean that you do it to somebody else. It takes practice. And the system that we're living under is like that. I've seen it in prison. Me in this cell gets picked on by that one in that cell because he got picked on by that one and then he got picked on. And so it goes, it just goes, and it Cycle. never stops. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. I, I just want to highlight the fact that you and the Polynesian Panthers were in your teens mm. when you were fighting for a higher purpose. Mm. Um, and that really kind of brings to reality the, the issues you were facing at the time yes. that at, at such a tender age to have to go out onto the streets and fight. And for that, I do want to thank you mm. for what you've done and for what the Polynesian Panthers have done for us yeah. to be able to thrive um, as we are now. And I just had one more question for you. Um, the apology happened yes. last year. Yes. Do you think there has been a lot done afterwards, after the fact, in order to address kind of the issues that were brought Yes. We're the first country in the world whose Prime Minister apologises for the dawn raids, apologises for systemic racism. Yeah. First country in the world to do that. Mm. So we set an example, you mm. know, um, but we don't stop there. We didn't want uh, reparation. We didn't want money. How much money are they going to pay for all the people in the my and hurdle <laughs> to break them? Mm-hmm. So unachievable, um, neither for amnesty. They tried that before in the 70s, during, before, you know, the, the dawn raids. They wanted out, they said, sign here and you'll be, you'll receive amnesty. But our peeps did sign up. Then when the government changed, they used those names on that amnesty to dawn raid them, mm. get their addresses, where they live. You know, so the trust. So what we're doing, and we don't want amnesty. Mm-hmm. You have to give amnesty totally then and equitably. And that's, I don't think any government is capable of doing that unless there's a revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we said we want education. We want scholarships so that our young ones will learn the true history of this going forward. And at the apology, well, this year, they came out with scholarships. Mm. So I think about 15 of our young Pacific and Māori got scholarships, um, which is what we wanted 100 scholarships. Mm. Mm. And we asked and demanded for 100 scholarships, knowing that we'll only get about 10 or 20. Mm. Uh, but we're not stopping there. We still want to demand for more. <laughs> yeah. Because, and as we know, next year it'll be mandatory. Yeah. You know? Which is so, awesome. Mm. Yeah. Just give us the money. (laughs) We can control our own destiny. Mm. And we have to educate our young ones to understand that and go with it. Mm. Because it's their right. It's our right. And I live through the young ones. Yeah. You give me the energy to carry on. Yes. And then the ones after you, the one that's coming up, you know, that are at the schools and they'll benefit from all that we've done. Mm. Mm. Shucks. You know, I'm just blown away with the fact that you demanded for education so that 
you've planted that seed, you fought for us, you planted that seed, and you continue to fight for us. So thank you, thank you so much for that. Uh, good. Oh, wow. We just thought, tried to figure it out, you know, what would be more achievable? Mm. That would break the country if we demanded for, for you know, yeah. reparation money. What? How much? No way. <laughs> Unachievable. Or yeah. for amnesty. That I think when more of our people get into power, perhaps then, you know, by then things should have changed. Mm. Hey? Um, uh, so education. Mm. Yeah. On behalf of the Pacific Morning Show and Blue Wave, yeah. I do appreciate you coming in and talking with us today. Um, there's a whole lot more that we'd, we'd love to discuss, yeah. but yes. due to time, we have to um, end things there. But thank you so much for coming on to our show. If you had any last words to share? Um, yeah, I'd like to thank you all, you know, for giving me and mine this opportunity. Um, we knew and understood back then that we needed our own to tell our stories. So you are fulfilling that wish. <laughs> so thank yous in, in turn. Um, and for the young ones, you don't need permission. You don't need, in fact, you have our blessing. Yeah. <laughs> Go out there and change it, change the world for the better, yeah. 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 Mm. Mm.